Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges in the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ talked to Ryan Hartman, Senior Vice President of Paid Media at The Zebra. He shares the moves they made to differentiate themselves as a brand, why they decided to relocate to Austin from Pittsburgh, and how he came to follow the mantra, sales overnight, brand over time. AJ's having a good day, and Vincent is afraid of getting slapped in the face. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's me. You hear my voice. It must mean one thing and one thing only. Another episode of The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and your co-host for The Marketing Stir, brought to you by Starista. Starista, what? Who are they? Starista, we're an identity marketing company. We have our own B2B and B2C databases. From those databases, we help our customers a variety of different marketing solutions. Send us your first party data. We'll enhance it, enrich it, we will model it. We will then go after customers who look just like that. Get you new customers. Who doesn't want new customers? Maybe Amazon, probably the only one who's like, slow it down a little bit. That's what we do. We have our own DSP. We execute media, OTT, CTV. Call me, email me, vincent at starista.com. Let's get that out of the way. More importantly, my co-host, he is shotgun in our work partnership. He ri- I ride shotgun to him, ladies and gentlemen. He is all the way from San Antonio, Texas. My co-host, the CEO of Starista, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Uh, good, good start to the day so far. I've done uh, two, two really good demos and coming into this podcast, I'm in a good mood. I love it. We love when you're in a good mood. I'm always in a good mood. If I'm not, that means someone must have like slapped me in the face on the street, which is very possible here in New York City. Pretty rare. Though. Yeah, rare in San Antonio, but rare, yeah, rare <laughs> that I'm unhappy, but uh, not so rare. Uh, people just randomly slapping you in New York City. Yay, get me out of the city. I'm kidding. I love it. Anyway, what I also love is doing this podcast with you. And I also love it because of the guests that we have on the podcast. We are so fortunate to get uh, so many great guests, and this is one of them. Ladies and gentlemen, we have someone from The Zebra. Have you ever heard of The Zebra? You might have seen some of the you know, commercials. You might have seen uh, online. You might have, when you're searching for your uh, insurance, car insurance, use The Zebra. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the Senior Vice President of Paid Media at The Zebra, Ryan Hartman. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. Well, happy to have you. Uh, you're, you're calling in from Austin, Texas, right next door to San Antonio. It's, uh, you know, thank you for taking the time out with us. Ryan, I probably didn't do it justice, but for those of the people listening, these are obviously they're marketing professionals, business professionals, but they also drive and they need your services. So tell people about the Zebra, and then I'd love to hear about your role specifically. Sure. So the Zebra, we're the largest insurance comparison site in the U.S. We were founded in 2012, uh, kind of involved out of an incubator type situation in Pittsburgh. Uh, and then quickly, the, uh, one of the investors 
mentioned that the company should start um, doing business in Austin because of the, the startup scene in Austin and and just the, the great talent that has been flocking to Austin. So we've been in Austin for a number of years now. Um, so we provide car insurance for the most part, uh, options for users. Uh, we don't underwrite, so we are not like the carriers, but we give you options, much like a, a kayak from the travel industry. Uh, we've also are in home insurance, uh, and we are we've got our eyes set on a few new verticals too. So uh, 2021 should be pretty big for us. Um, my role specifically at the Zebra, and oddly enough, I don't even know how this happened, but my background is in insurance marketing. Uh, I spent a number of years at, at Geico and insurance, and I found my way uh, back into the industry after I had taken a little bit of a break. Um, so I, I moved to Austin about three years ago. I've been at the company for about three years. My role is to basically manage all of our paid advertising efforts. So if you see a TV ad that comes from my team, if you see a podcast ad that comes from my team, um, we do everything from digital to offline. The only thing that we really haven't done yet is out of home and direct mail. But those are all on the table for 2021 because we've got very aggressive growth goals in 2021. Um, so yeah, that's a, a bit about the company. Um, I was employee 50 ish. I think we're up to about 280 now. Wow. So incredible growth in the three years I've been here. And Ryan, I just want to, you said something there where, you know, and I, I know the background it's been insurance marketing. What, what brought you into insurance marketing? You just like, I you love to feel safe, love to make people, other people feel safe. What's kind of the background there? Uh, yeah, so I don't, again, I don't know how I ended up in <laughs> such, the, uh, such a sexy industry of insurance. Um, back in college, I, I, uh, I studied marketing and I always wanted to be on the advertising side of things. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to do commercials. And I, I think Geico's got great commercials. I'm going to join their advertising team. And little did I know, they don't really hire anyone to be on their advertising team. They farm that out to the great agencies like Martin Agency. Um, but I met someone at a career fair. And they told me about this management development program. So um, I did this management development program for about a year and a half in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I really learned a lot about insurance. I even got my property and casualty license, um, which is long, long since expired since I haven't kept up with my continuing education. Um, but yeah, it was funny because I remember getting right out of college. I was pumped not to have to study again. And the, and the first thing we did they gave me three textbooks and said, learn how to get uh, your property casualty license. So it was interesting. Um, but anyway, so um, after I, I kind of graduated from that management development program, I landed a job at corporate based in DC, um, right on the cusp of DC, Maryland. Um, and I started off in the digital media department at Geico. Uh, this was back in 2006. And there were three of us at that time. So it was a crazy time to join. In fact, I remember in my interview, the director of online uh, was giving me some questions. He's like, do you know what a pixel is? And I have no idea. <laughs> so I kind of lucked into getting that job, but I definitely started at the, the lower level, kind of worked my way up and spent over six years there. And by, by the end, I was managing all of Geico's digital marketing efforts and had a team of about six or seven at that point, um, spending two gobs of money, as you can imagine, uh, working 
at Geico. Uh, nothing close to what they were doing on the TV side, but the digital part was definitely the, the growing side. And then after that, I got poached uh, in, a, in a background sort of way through, through some contacts I knew at eSurance. So I went to eSurance and I led their digital marketing team for about four years, was there during the 2012 acquisition where Allstate bought them. So it was, it was a fun time. It was, you know, eSurance was kind of startup-y. Uh, it's what I enjoyed. I loved the entrepreneurial spirit of it. Um, so yeah, I did that for about four and a half years. Then I thought I was done with insurance. I wasn't really felt like I was challenged that much anymore. I had the exact same role basically at Geico and at Allstate, same KPIs, working with the same vendors. So I thought I was kind of retired and I, I, I tried uh, my skills at a, uh, an apparel company, a custom apparel company. In fact, the shirt I'm wearing that you know, we were just talking about, Vincent, is, is from Custom Inc. So shout out to Custom Inc., my previous company. Um, did that for about two and a half years, led the digital team. Um, and then through just my contacts in the insurance industry that I'd built over you know, 12 years or so, um, I got connected to the Zebra. Uh, and Austin was always on a short list of places I would ever consider moving to. So I went, flew down to Austin in 2017, met with the founders, met with Keith, who's our CEO now, who came over a month before I flew down from uh, being the president of Kayak and met with everyone and it seemed great and it got me back to my roots and I enjoyed the challenge of building something at a startup. So I, I picked up my bags and moved to Austin and I've been here ever since. Great. So Ryan, I know you guys are growing pretty fast and you have some aggressive goals. What, what is it that you track kind of month to month, year to year? What are some of the KPIs that uh, you get assigned? Yeah, for my team, the biggest two numbers that we look at is, is top line growth, or so top line revenue, and uh, ROMI, which is you know, mo most of the people on the phone probably say return on ad spend, ROAS, but we call it return on marketing investment. Those are the two things we look at. So I'm tasked with making sure the top line is healthy. Um, obviously, the board cares about top line growth, but also uh, becoming profitable. So as a startup, you know, it can take a while to get into the black there, um, but I'm actually, hopefully I'm allowed to say this, but uh, we actually turned a profit in August. So uh, August and September have been our two profitable months. So when you consider we grew 120% year over year and now are profitable, it starts to tell, tell a pretty compelling story. So you'd say maybe perhaps the, uh, the COVID actually helped you guys in that sense? Or do you think it's unrelated? you know what I, I, I the answer is yes to that and I, I kind of hate saying that because it's you know such a, <laughs> a pandemic that no one likes to talk about and it's really changed the lives of everyone um, but yeah I mean the, the good thing about being in insurance is it's somewhat recession proof you know I was at Geico back in 2007 2008 and they had record profit years those years I mean we, we have a product that can save people money and so when people are unfortunately out of work due to unforeseen circumstances like COVID, they looked to look to places where they could save money. And auto insurance, uh, as you all know, is is um, very prevalent in the in the market. You see insurance messaging all the time on TV, so people have got shopping always at the top of mind. And and our value prop is you know, we don't really care one way or another what carrier you go with, as long as you could save money or protect your family better. Um, that's what we're here for. Yeah, and it's one of those things now where, you know, and, and it's nothing to be embarrassed about because there's companies that are helping people 
during this time, right? And if there's, uh, you know, a company like the Zebra that could help people compare different auto insurance companies and help them save money when money is really much needed to be saved right now. Or as you said, Ryan, home insurance, where it's like, oh no, what if something happens in my home during this time? What if I can't keep my home? What if uh, something happened, you know, life insurance? I'm, I'm not sure you guys are dabbling into that. Maybe that's on- Yeah, not yet. Yeah, no, not yet, maybe in the roadmap. But yeah, it's nothing to be, you know, uh, embarrassed about. Not that you are, but you know, it's, it's, there's some companies that are helping. Uh, during this time, and uh, the zebra is one of them. So, with that, you know, you went from working at companies like Geico, Insurance, and now they're almost like customers of yours. What, what did you say? Like they're they're on the platform. Uh, how has that transition been? You're on kind of the other side now. Yeah. The um, so it's been interesting because. Yeah, for sure they are customers of ours. They're our clients. Um, you know, they we make money from delivering them customers that sign up with their insurance policy. So, so yeah, we love our carrier relationships. We have um, very uh, tight knit relationships with them. Um, but yeah, it is a little interesting because my role here. Uh, let me back up a bit. My role at the carriers was more to just spend money and get policies. So my main metric there was cost per policy sold basically. Here it's more about return on ad spend or like I said, what we call Romy. Um, so there's a bunch of intricacies in the business now that is probably my biggest learning curve coming to this uh, marketplace instead of just selling a product because we don't really sell anything. Um, we, we just basically guide consumers and um, you know, get, get paid for uh, kind of brokering that transaction. And for those of you who are probably going to be listening to this and maybe you are not going to see the video, you're like, what are you guys keep talking about, Romy? You know, Ryan has a shirt on. It says, Romy is my homie. Yeah. That's, the, uh, that's the shirt. And that's for Custom Inc., uh, you know, your uh, old company there? That's my free, yep, from Custom Inc. They do a great job, high quality stuff. Um, but yeah, this is my team's mantra. So our first marketing offsite, I had all these prepped prepared for them and handed them out. And now you see them in the office all the time, which is great. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm an extra large. AJ is uh, what? I don't know. A large or medium? Large is good. Large. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to get to medium. <laughs> I've always been an extra large. I'm trying. You know, I like to stay at an extra large. There's no way I'm going down to a large or medium. Not with these yeah, shoulders. It's your, it's your pandemic size uh, and pre-pandemic size. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, all that, you know, that, that's awesome. But Ryan, let's get into some of the nitty gritty on, you know, you touched upon it and it is the, the marketing stir. We like to get down to it. What are some marketing tactics that really, really work for you? What are some tactics that just didn't work? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I joined in 2017, everything we were doing was digital, very, very performance-based marketing. Um, largely, that spend was going towards uh, affiliate-type deals, um, so very uh, like cost-per-acquisition-type deal. And, and th those are all well and good for a certain purpose. You know, if I'm looking at my return on ad spend efficiency, those can definitely work well. But with affiliates, as, as the listeners probably know, sometimes you got to look out for like shady marketing tactics. And it's very prevalent in the auto insurance industry where um, you'll see ads like you could, uh, this one weird trick at the DMV can save you money on insurance. Or if you're 65 or older, did you know you could get a senior citizen discount? A lot of that stuff, which is not even true. 
but we were playing in that and I kind of, I, I didn't like the feel of that stuff and we were trying to grow a brand um, and not be like all the other aggregators out there. So um, we kind of pulled back from that. We leaned into paid social a lot more. We leaned into um, SEM a lot more, which is tough because we were competing basically with the Geico's and progressives and their CPC payouts are a lot higher than ours. Um, but the biggest shift that we had uh, and that what really propelled the business going forward is our investment in TV. So we started doing TV in February of 2019, and it was just a little $200,000 test, which is which nothing on TV. We just said, oh, we're going to see what happens to the business. And as soon as we turned it on, uh, we saw such a halo effect. We saw our SEM brand go up. We saw our type in traffic, direct referral, people type it into zero, we saw those numbers go up. Um, so as we kept seeing good results on that, we've been pouring more and more money into TV um, and branching out to from linear only to OTT. So we've been on Hulu and Pluto and Roku, um, dabbling into some unwired TV. So that has been really moving the business forward. And we even validated it too a couple of times, like, is this is, does this look real to us? Like the more money we pour in, the more revenue we're getting. And so we've been tracking like the diminishing returns of it. And we haven't even come close yet, even with our spend going up, you know, 10 X from our original test. Um, and then we also verified it. We, we do a bunch of verification things just to make sure it, it makes me sleep better at night. Um, we did a dark test where we actually pulled off TV for two weeks to see what was truly incremental to the business. And, Sure enough, as soon as we hit pause on TV, we, we saw all those channels kind of dip again and the revenue went down. So um, TV has been the big game changer for us. And that's been a lot of the focus on my end. Again, trying to get more of a brand awareness out there too. I love how TV, it could serve two purposes. If you're buying direct response TV, you could get sales overnight, but it builds, builds brand over time. And Ren, for kind of the measurement purposes, is there an easy way to measure linear or connected TV or is it more kind of an aggregate number is how you measure the effect? Yeah, so with TV, it's interesting. It's, um, it's we, we partner with a company called TV Squared and basically what they do is called burst or spike measurement. So we, we feed, we get all the, the post logs from all the networks. So every single commercial we ran, we load that up in TV squared and TV squared links up to our Google analytics. So we know when a spot ran, what network it ran on, the creative uh, that ran, and we can match that up to see a spike in our Google analytics. And then we measure that spike over a, a baseline. So we know that any increment, incremental spike, we can attribute that to TV. So uh, it's not perfect, but directionally, it's very, very accurate. In fact, I think we actually look at it in a very conservative way because you have, we've got a five-minute window on that. So as soon as that, as soon as that spot airs, if you're not coming to our site in, uh, within five minutes of that, it doesn't take credit for it. Um, but that's how we do measurement. Um, going forward, we'll start looking at even deeper measurement. Right now, the TV we buy is mostly direct response. So we care about that immediate cost per visit or cost per uh, quote on our end. Um, but we're going to be adv advancing our, our TV measurement skills going into 2021, looking at more of like reach and frequency as we try to build the brand more. That's great. Yeah. I actually knew little to nothing about TV until we bought our 
connected uh, TV DSP product, and now we're doing uh, millions of in kind of connected TV impressions. I'm I'm trying to learn myself as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's, yeah, it's uh, yeah with the connected TV stuff, and since they've got IP addresses, it's getting a lot easier. Um, right, right. So yeah, before if we were doing TV ten years ago, I, you know, I have actually no no idea how they measured it besides by doing spot market tests. Right. Right. So what does your kind of tech marketing tech stack look like? Do you guys use an outside agency? Or are you doing things in-house? Yeah, so um, as a startup, we haven't had a ton of money to invest in big marketing tech stacks. So what we do, and actually one of our, our core values is kind of like be scrappy. Um, so we built pretty much everything in-house for the most part. Um, I, I think we're at the pivotal point in our business where we'll outgrow some of that stuff. So we're definitely considering like buy or build in the future. Um, most of the stuff we do now is uh, CRM based type uh, segmentation. So um, the carriers, they love uh, consumers that are uh, own their house and and multi-vehicle and high credit because their loss ratios will, will be lower premiums higher. So we, with our marketing, we got to know how to attract them and and right price what we're paying for them, uh, as opposed to a single car, single driver, maybe doesn't have insurance right now. So that's, that's kind of the extent of what we do in terms of like segmentation. And again, most of the stuff that we have right now is proprietary. Um, we, as we get a little bit more advanced with our digital chops and, and getting into programmatic, um, we'll be looking at linking up. We've got an internal DSP right now, but we'll be looking at advancing that with a DMP. Um, especially, it's going to be super important when we start talking about our home product. We launched our home insurance product in December of 2019. And a DMP and some advanced tech, technology with that stuff is really going to help us cross-sell and auto-sell. Look back at our old auto consumers and say, hey, we know that you own a home, check us out. Uh, or our, we've got a bundling product coming out too. So we, if you can save, if you buy both policies with us, um, we get a discount. Um, so as we start and slice and dice our consumers, um, that the technology stack is definitely going to be something that we're investing in going forward. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. You guys are doing all of this in-house. Uh, we've seen a lot, a lot of large retailers kind of using multiple agencies and data companies to make that happen. So pretty impressive, Ryan. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I got. I always keep an eye on my working versus non-working uh, budget and that ratio, try to keep that ratio in check. You know, and Ryan, I want to touch upon this because, you know, we, uh, you know, ending 2020 very soon. And before I get into kind of what's, the, you know, what are some of the plans for 2021 of the zebra? Let me back up the name. Where's the name, the zebra come from? Well, the Geico was already taken. The gecko was already taken. <laughs> the gecko, yeah. Yeah, the gecko was already taken. Um, you know, there's hippo out there, there's elephant. So we just picked one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and so the, the zebra was, was spawned out of the idea of, you know, why is there not a good, insurance comparison website why is there not like the kayak the expedia for the insurance world and so the name the zebra um basically comes out of the idea of like 
let's make insurance black and white. So very simple, easy to understand. Um, you can compare things apples to apples against multiple companies and simplify it because a lot of people don't understand insurance. So it's our mantra uh, to be like an insurance advisor, help people and make things simple for them so they can make uh, a, a better, well-educated decision on a financial product that you know it can protect your family and a lot of um, unforeseen expenses down the road should you have an accident, God forbid, or something like that. So that's where the zebra came from. Um, we haven't really pushed too much on using an actual zebra until recently. Our last creative round of TV ads, which launched in July, we actually show a zebra in the ads now. Mm -hmm. Yep. That, that's uh, your commercial, you know, those, the TV is what, how I first discovered the zebra. And I remember uh, you and I talking about that. That's kind of, uh, you know, how this all started, right? At least for, yeah. for us, you know? Yeah, and, it's uh, wild how many times uh, people, uh, especially candidates that I hear of, I was like, I'm always curious, like, how did you hear of this little startup in Austin? They said, oh, I saw a commercial and I thought maybe you're, you might be hiring. So it's interesting. Um, the other interesting thing about TV is our, going to your point, kind of, instead of never hearing this, our uh, aided awareness um, a year ago was about 8%, and now it's up to 20% as we've ramped up to TV. Um, so now one in five people, when you at least present, have you heard of the zebra? They say yes. So it, it's really interesting. And it's, it's, when I talk to strangers, meet strangers, I just anecdotally, like it, it keeps going up like, yeah, I have heard the zebra and I've seen your commercial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and more and more of the clients we're talking to and also the guests on the podcast, they're, you know, making an investment in TV, I guess, because people are at home, they're binging, they're watching. Uh, it's a really great way to reach them. We'll, we'll get into some of the shows you've been binging in a moment, but touch upon that, you know, 2021, Ryan, some of the new services, new products rolling out. What's 2021 looking at? Have you already looked into that? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely discussed that. In fact, we had a board meeting uh, earlier this month, uh, about two weeks ago, to discuss what are we going to do for 2021. Again, we are, I actually don't even call us a startup anymore. We're kind of emerging out of that startup phase, in my opinion. I mean, we've built a pretty robust business and our revenue numbers will tell you that. Um, so 2021 is going to be an interesting year. Our, we're going to invest more into brand marketing, even more. So that shift of brand marketing versus performance is going to, is going to shift a ton. Um, we're really trying to build a brand. We've got a few uh, competitors out there that kind of do the same thing, but not the way we do it. Um, and so we're investing in the brand. We want to be more of a household name. We want, when people think, how can I save in my car insurance? They think of the zebra first. So more TV to come, more podcasts to come. We haven't dabbled too much in terrestrial radio. We'll be looking into that. We've even kicked around ideas of like some sponsorship stuff too. So on the marketing end, it's going to be super interesting. It's going to be uh, super high pressure on my end, but that's fine. That's so why I built a, a very capable team. Um, in terms of products that we are going to market for, um, home is still a big one that is largely uh, unmarketed at this point. 
But what's really going to be interesting is when we launch our bundling product in early Q1, which will allow people to buy home and auto from us, same place, and get a discount for having the multi-policies. That's a huge undertaking. Our competitors don't offer a bundling product. And in fact, when you look at, as I mentioned before, like the more preferred type user, one of the things that, that they won't go to individual carriers for is because they don't offer a bundling product. They want everything all under one umbrella. They don't have to talk to carrier Y and carrier B about like, you know, how, how that works. And they want the discount too. So if we could offer bundling opportunities for consumers, regardless of what carrier it is and save them money even more with that discount, it's going to be a huge win for us. So we're focusing on that too. After we get that done, uh, what's next for us? And we, we've considered what's our next vertical. So we're looking at things like renters, like life, like pet even, pet insurance. Um, so those are all, we've got a great research team that has been helping us kind of size the market on that and see what we could penetrate the fastest and what will get us like the most bang for our buck. And what are some of the tips, uh, since you're an insurance man, that people should keep in mind when they're looking to buy insurance? <laughs> well, my first tip is to go to the zero.com and shop around where, oh, come to one place and we do all the shopping for you instead of going to you know, eight different sites and trying to compare everything apples to apples and making sure the coverages were aligned. Uh, my tips, I mean, honestly, everyone wants to save money on insurance, but it's not always about that. It's also about the coverage you get. And you want to make sure that you're protected, especially you have like teen drivers, for example. That's always something you got to watch out for since they're, they're, the teen, teen driver loss ratios are pretty high, as you can imagine. Um, some of the tips are, yeah, look to bundle for discounts, for sure. Um, one of the big uh, rating factors is number of miles driven. A lot of us aren't driving many miles right now. So it, as long as you put that pretty low, um, that'll change your rate. Um, the less you're driving, the less chance of you getting an accident and having a claim. It's always a good one to look out for. And always keep an eye on, on your deductible. So if your car is getting a little bit older, you could drop that deductible and it'll save a ton of money. Or if it's a brand new car and you could afford it, raise that deductible up to a thousand bucks from 500 or 250. That'll, that'll probably save you close to 10 to 20% on your premium. And then like most things uh, like Blockbuster going away, do you see kind of insurance agents becoming a thing of the past as companies like yours start becoming more popular or do you see a place for those guys uh, still where people like to go in and still talk to a insurance agent? Yeah, in terms of the market now, there's definitely still a need for the local agent. Um, you can see State Farm, that's basically their motto is like they've got, you know, we're your neighbor. Uh, so um, there's definitely still a need for that. It had that the agency side of the business has been slowly declining. I mean, Geico is direct, Progressive is direct, even though Progressive does have an, an agency arm. Esurance and most of the other startups are direct. Um, we work with both. Um, so it depends what you, what you need. It depends what you feel comfortable with. As you can imagine, millennials, for example, don't really want to talk to anyone. They want to transact online and that's mm -hmm. it. Whereas uh, the older, older folks, um, a lot of times they know someone down the street or they've been working in a family, a family friend for a while. 
So uh, I think that is going to still be around for a while, but I, I think as like, the millennials grow up um, and then more direct to consumer insurance companies uh, come out, uh, I think that will slowly phase out, but yet we're not quite there yet. And yeah, like, like me in, in my forties, my, I don't, I don't own a, a car, but I have a homeowner's insurance and that's Bob. Bob is my agent. I still, I right. still go there, but now as I, you know, even people getting older, it's like now just a time factor for me. And I'm sure my insurance agent, Bob doesn't listen to the podcast, but I feel mm -hmm. like myself going more towards digital, you know, two kids at home where I'm like, I don't have time for this. Let me just do it. And the bundle thing is huge. Uh, you know, if you can get it all under one roof, you don't have to talk to five different agents. Like, where am I going to get this time to call? I've got to burp my five month old. I don't have time anyway. But Ryan, as far as, you know, thus far in your career, this is where we get into some of the career questions. Uh, and then I have, uh, you know, some personal questions coming your way. Just want to, uh, just want to prep you, you know, okay. you know, we, we're people after all, we want to get to know you. So thus far in your career, what has been some advice that you received that you're like, oh, this is great. I'd like to share this with people. Yeah, the um, so I had a very good boss at Geico when I was first starting out, and he really taught me a lot about relationship building. And so we work with a lot of agencies, and I never want to be the difficult client. I don't think that we get our best service or best we can't negotiate to if we're not managing the relationship from both sides. So I think that relationship building is super key, especially in my role where I'm out there spending a lot of money and I could be negotiating better if I just have a friendly relationship with someone. And I know I'm gonna get their, their A team, for example, if I'm talking to someone and, and you know, I, I need more help with the analysis or I need more help with the media buying. So just like building those relationships, I think was the biggest thing I learned. And then, uh, Something that always stuck with me as a marketer is, is when Ted Ward, who ran the marketing department for, I want to say, over 25 years and is, is super well known in the industry, really put Geico on the map in terms of creative and growth. He always told me, um, I think I even might have alluded to it earlier, uh, sales overnight, brand over time. You know, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to go out there and start doing a lot of branding messaging without getting a return immediately. So that's the way I've kind of like shaped my career is like I'm looking at the day to day, making sure thing, making sure my uh, return on ad spend is good from a day to day basis, but still getting the messaging out there because over time that brand will come. That's always been like kind of the, the mantra I've lived uh, internally, at least. And then I've tried to tell my team that, too, because we do have a lot of branding goals coming up, but we still need to see an impact from those or we're just likely wasting money. No, I like that advice. That's, um, that's something we haven't heard specifically on, on the marketing stir before. Uh, before the personal stuff, I wanted also the, talk to me about international. Does the Zebra serve international markets of people who are looking for insurance as well? Not at this time, no. Not at this time? Yeah, we're focusing on the U.S. We want to get our product right. Uh, we, we think we kind of really made some strides with the auto product. That's sound. Uh, home is next. And again, we're going to look into more verticals domestically before we think about international. The international laws are a lot different than the U.S. ones, so I take a lot of scoping. 
They, they sure are. Yes. You know, we deal with that a lot too. And, and navigating those walls uh, data wise as well and compliance wise. Great. So Ron, how do you guys kind of keep in touch with clients? What does the cadence look like? Cause uh, often I'm guessing once people buy a policy, it's not like getting a haircut. You can't really go back to them every month. So I was curious about how you manage to kind of stay in front of clients. Clients as our, our customers that use the Zebra, right. or clients as the carriers? Uh, the customers that use it. Yeah, so right, so right now when a, a customer comes to us and they buy through us, um, largely that is a, that's a bit of end of transaction. And so that consumer is now owned by that carrier. That carrier doesn't want us to remarket to them. They want to keep them on their books. So that's like yeah. a little bit of end of transaction. But it, it's a great question you ask because we are looking um, to, to be more of an agency, an appointed agent of certain carriers where we would actually own that book of business. We sell to that person. We could cross sell, upsell to that person. Um, we, we would have to do our own retention efforts. So that's coming. That's a little more complicated because again, there's insurance appointments and all, it's a bunch of legal stuff that has to go back and forth. So right now our, our website's very transactional, but, uh, in 2021 it's become much less, uh, transactional and there will be a lot more communication with the consumers directly. Gotcha. Yeah. In our experience, data is invaluable. So more companies can do to hold on to their data and have a direct relationship, the more valuable it becomes. Yeah, yeah totally. And then uh, how are things going in the pandemic for you personally? Any new hobbies or interests you have picked up? <laughs> Well, I, I guess I can't complain. Things are good. The, the weather's finally turned around in Austin. Um, it's funny, the, the leadership team at the Zebra, we did uh, Myers-Briggs and I was pretty heavily extrovert. And it's been a little tough for me because ext extroverts get their energy from being around people. And so with me not being around people, it's been tough. So a lot of uh, Zoom happy hours and Zoom meetings, you know, it, it's all fun. It could be draining, but it's been fun. That's kind of keeping me going. Uh, but personally, things are good. Uh, most of my hobbies lately have been uh, around my house, basically. So I bought a house not too long ago, about six months ago. Nice. And yeah, so it's like, what should I plant in the yard? Should I stain the deck? Uh, I recently got a hot tub slash pool, so I'm setting that up. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how long this thing is going to last. So I'm trying to make my house as livable as possible. I, I, I made a, this is my office here. I know listeners can't see this, but um, I have an office I built. And then I also built a home gym. Um, so that's been, that's, that's been keeping me busy. That's awesome. Well, congrats on the, uh, the house. That's, uh, that's great news. Yeah, thanks. I guess I'll be in Austin for a while. So. <laughs> That's it. Austin's, uh, you know, I, I uh, love Austin. I visited a few times. San Antonio, I'm getting used to as well. I, I like uh, San Antonio. I've been there a few times visiting the crew. So you're, uh, you know, definitely in a good place. So Ryan, the question we ask all of our guests, this is, uh, is around LinkedIn. Everyone uses LinkedIn, right? You're a senior vice president. People must be reaching out to you all the time. They're always reaching out to my CEO here. AJ, what is a LinkedIn message that gets Ryan Hartman to say, okay, I'll get back to you. I'll accept your request. And what is a, a, a LinkedIn pet peeve that you have? LinkedIn. Uh, 
yeah, I get my activity on LinkedIn is pretty high. I get a ton of connection requests a day, as you can imagine. Um, I, I the one I have one specific example. I'm a huge Virginia Tech Hokies fan, and a person reached out to me and he said, "Go Hokies!" in just the email. So I was like, "What is this about?" So I clicked it, opened it, and he had a bunch of information. He's like, "I see your team's doing really well this fall." Blah, blah, blah. And he got into the kind of like personal. And then, you know, and then he kind of gave me his, his sales pitch. But I thought that was so interesting and a good way to get my attention. Um, so I, I definitely followed up with that person. So anything that's like personalized, that usually it shows the person put in effort and they're just not blasting a bunch of people on LinkedIn. So I, you know, if someone puts in effort, I generally give them a look. Um, the one thing I hate, so I actually don't mind when people just blindly LinkedIn me because sometimes it's interesting. Um, I like to see you know, what's going on, what kind of companies are out there. Could I be partnering with someone? But one thing I hate though is when I don't respond, they follow up like 18 times afterwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I the, the persistence is 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 not going to get me uh, motivated to talk to you. So if, you know, if I don't respond and like after three or four messages, I'm probably not going to. And at that point, you're just going to be an annoyance, and then I'm going to have. Uh, a negative thoughts about your company, probably. Yeah, you know, and, and you bring up a good point, Ryan, because, and, and I think there's different rules, right? I think someone was mentioning on the podcast that a business to consumer relationship often takes seven times of like maybe seeing the apparel, seeing the messaging in order for someone to react. I'm not sure that that is the same on a B2B relationship or just trying to get attention. That's the main thing we get on the podcast when we ask that question. You know, AJ, if someone were like, AJ, you haven't responded. What happened? Did like a shark eat you or something like that? I'm like, really? You know, I I think yeah. over, over time, salespeople are getting lazier. So everybody's using Salesloft and a couple of those tools. So it's just on an automatic cadence. And it's so rare to Ryan's point for somebody to send an email that's actually personalized that you want a response because even if you're not interested, you're like, I, I should respond to this guy. He took time to write this email to me. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, other, the other bad thing is when they're hitting you cross platform and there's like follow their email and you following <laughs> up my LinkedIn conversation and they're picking you up again on LinkedIn. It's like, you just talk to me two different ways on two different platforms. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I agree. And one, another question we ask, uh, uh, sort of the pet peeve thing is just a marketing pet peeve in general. You know, that was kind of LinkedIn, a marketing pet peeve. Marketing pet peeve. I've got a bunch. Uh, <laughs> we so, still have some time. We have a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the number one marketing pet peeve is um, too many cooks in the kitchen. Hmm. So I think everyone, people always have like ideas for marketing, even though that's not their discipline. So I, you should do a commercial about this or the next commercial should feature this. Or so like a lot of unsolicited creative advice is kind of like my pet peeve. Uh, some of the ideas, I appreciate them because sometimes they're funny, uh, but they actually don't have like the research behind them and they don't really realize all the work that goes into actually producing an ad and all the focus groups you do and the surveying and like that's how we nail our messaging. Um, so 
Yeah, when it's too, when he cooks in the kitchen, especially on creative, uh, that kind of rattles my brain. So that's uh, that's the first one that comes to mind. But yeah, I could probably think of some other ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've had a few people with a lot of personal pet peeves. So uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and and I think our audience knows mine and AJ's by heart uh, by now. And uh, from all this, yeah, the creativity one is funny because uh, you know, as people and the marketing stir no i am also a stand up comedian here in in manhattan and people always have a joke idea for me and yeah. they're not comedians it's like you should put this in your skit i'm like it's not a skit lady i'm not on saturday night live like stop right. saying that there's like this happened to me this was funny i'm like that is the most unfunny thing i've ever heard in my life fred why yeah. would you share that with me and that's, anyway. a, that's a great parallel <laughs> yeah Hey, too many cooks in the kitchen. I love that. That is a first on the marketing stir. And then, Ren, given kind of you're an extrovert working remotely, how are you keeping the morale up in your team? Any fun ideas or suggestions? Yeah, I think our 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 company has done a great job with it. Um, we we still do our monthly quarterly all hands. So everyone gets on Zoom. It was the first two are a little clunky, but we've kind of nailed it down. So at least everyone gets FaceTime. We encourage everyone to use their cameras so we can see everyone. Um, our office uh, on the east side of downtown, we used to have uh, snacks and drinks and all that type of stuff. So we started shipping snacks to people. Um, so they, they get to pick their own now, so which is nice. Um, and then the, the last all hands we did is we actually didn't really spend too much time on the business and like getting in the nitty gritty of like, what are our challenges? What are our uh, issues we want to tackle? It was more about celebrating wins. So during the, you know, the, I guess we're on month eight almost at this point of being and working from home. There's just so much that we have accomplished with everyone working remotely. So we celebrate wins. Um, two other cool things that we have every Tuesday, we have Zeb hangs where everyone could just go on Zoom and do like a little happy hour, or just chat with people. And for the life of me, I don't know what this program we use is, but it's like a virtual video game in some ways where you have your own avatar and it's actually our office. So they recreated our office in some sort of like video game and all the conference rooms are the same and everyone could go and join and you could like type people in their avatar and be like, Hey, Tiffany, meet me in the, the, the Camel Conference Room or something like that. Um, cool. So we, we've been doing a bunch of different things, and I think our morale is pretty good despite everything that we're going through. That's interesting. Yeah, we have uh, all sorts of channels now. We have Slack and Basecamp, so everybody's adding their own favorite tool into the company. So I'd love yeah. to know what, uh, what that tool is when you find out. Yeah, on Slack, we also have a channel called uh, Spread Joy with all like the negative stuff going on. It's yeah. like you go in there to share a picture of your puppy or a, a good article in the news or something like that. So that's been trying. You can, we you have, know, yeah, high. we have something similar. I think it's happiness. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, that's what we need. You know, that's great. Yeah, those are some good, good tips out there for us and, and especially our listeners. So Ryan, is the one advantage Austin traffic gotten any better in the pandemic? Well, it's funny you asked that because when I moved here, everyone complained about Austin traffic and coming from Washington, DC, I thought they were all crazy. So <laughs> the traffic never bothered me too much in Austin, wow. but it definitely has been 
uh, very light. So it's been nice when I have to go to the grocery store or go to a, an appointment in the middle of the day. It's been super light, which has been refreshing. That, that's funny. Uh, if I'm in Austin or when I used to be, I'd try to leave by about 3.30. But I guess coming <laughs> from D.C., I can, I can see why you'd feel that way. I usually yeah. just Uber in D.C. There is no point driving. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing in New York City. Your traffic, come on. Oh, yeah, we, we see your traffic in Austin and we fair, raise fair. you. Yeah, we <laughs> raise you 48,000 uh, Ubers and cabs and going to the airport. <laughs> right. Oh, but Ryan, we're just about out of time. We'd love to hear just some final thoughts for, you know, from you, uh, you know, career advice, Zebra Vision, final thoughts on some fun, whatever you'd like to share with us and the listeners one last time. Yeah, well, I'm going to do a little sales pitch for us. I mean, uh, the Zebra, we now work with over 100 carriers. Um, we are in every state. We work with 10 of the top 10. So all of the major carriers are on our platform. Um, we've done an incredible job with the product. It is super easy, seamless. You could get a quote under two minutes. Um, look for big things coming from the Zebra. Look for more commercials out there from us, uh, more brand type initiatives. Um, again, we're trying to become a household name. And when you think of insurance comparison or even insurance shopping, you're thinking of the Zebra uh, immediately. Um, so look for more products from us. And our, our like North Star is to be that insurance advisor for you. Um, so we're coming out with a bunch of neat tools that help, help you compare things apples to apples and give you coverage recommendations or um, savings recommendations, like maybe you should change your deductible, kind of like what I was going for. Um, the one thing that AJ, you brought up is about the agents. Um, insurance is super complicated. People really don't know what they're buying and what kind of coverage they even need. Um, and so they rely on the local agent to say, hey, I think your family is best suited for X or, or Y. Um, and usually, the, the consumer just kind of says, okay, well, you're the expert. Um, we're giving you a platform to come in and kind of decide by yourself, but, but using us as like an advisor, we think you should do this, check out this too. And again, we have multiple companies and, and providers where you can mix and match things. So it's really custom tailored to you. Um, so yeah, I, I'll leave you with that. Come out and check the, the zebra.com out. Uh, it's the zebra.com. Don't go to zebra.com, the zebra.com. We'll, we'll help you out. Oh, that, that's awesome. I, you did it for me. I was going to do it, but I'll do it again. Thezebra.com, Senior Vice President, Paid Media at The Zebra, Ryan Hartman. Ryan, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on The Marketing Stir. We really appreciate it. I have been Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta, Ryan Hartman. This has been The Marketing Stir. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. Thanks for listening.